Luke 21. I, one of, what I felt like God was directing me, and it was interesting because Kyle spoke uh, in the early service about becoming uncomfortable. And how many know that uh, comfort is the killer of passion? One of my biggest concerns, if you've been here with us for a while, when we built the church is that we would get too comfortable in this thing and these you know, purple seats or whatever and say, oh, we, we, we've got it now. We can just kick back. There's never a time to kick back in the work of God. Amen. We must work now, the Bible said, because there's coming an hour when no man will be able to work any longer. Right. We have just a handful of moments of daylight left. And so Luke 21, this is going to be a little sobering and and uh, but it's OK. Uh, it'll be good, like good medicine for you all. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I want to welcome everybody watching online out there. I'm amazed how many people watch this this uh, broadcast and all that stuff. I met two men this morning in the early service. One man just moved here from Connecticut and another man from Scranton. And he said to me, I've watched the television broadcast. This is my very first time here. And he said it was a little intimidating coming in this big building and all that. But he said, man, now that I'm here, he said, I wish I would have done this a long time ago. And he said, I need God. I need, I need, I said, you're in the right place. Amen. That was before the 9 a.m. service. In fact, 9 a.m., I think they had just about as many people in that service as we have in this one now. And uh, God's doing something special here. Amen. Amen. And in Honesdale and, uh, and all over the world where people are hungry. But Jesus said in Luke 21, and let's look at verse 34, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, and the cares of this life. How many know the cares of this life can drag you right down? And that day will come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray. That's the title of today's message. The importance of watching and praying. Say that with me. Say, watch and pray. Say, I must watch and pray. These are the words of Jesus in Luke's gospel. Verse 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is uh, warning people here to, be, uh, to get their lives under control. That's his, that's his warning to people. Uh, and it's uh, very timely today. And the reason that is, is because a person can be overwhelmed and unaware. Let me say that again. Uh, you can be overwhelmed and not even know it. And the very thing that is uh, distracting you is right in front of you. But because you're overwhelmed in a situation, it's usually when th- something happens, there's an incident, there's, a, there's something that's, that happens, and it causes us, if we're not careful, to grow cold. And I want to talk to you for a few moments today before we pray on what the Bible says about what it looks like when a man, when a woman, when a person grows cold in their faith. How many know you can be on fire for Jesus, and if you're not careful, you could start to fade away? That fire can go down to embers. You ever been there? Yeah, we all have if you've been, been serving the Lord any number of years. And so look at verse 35 to make my point. For it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. So that would be everybody, right? In this hour, I want to say this, we have to be careful that we are in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. 
Can you say amen? You've got to have your frequency dialed in to the still small voice of the Lord. Otherwise, you could be following all kinds of voices out there. And you can, you know, you can get led in the wrong direction. Signs that you're growing cold, you know. And I just want to say this. This is all through the scripture. Signs that people grow cold. People get on fire for God. They're all about the presence of God. Sometimes it's in a revival. You know, I remember in the revival in Brownsville in the 90s, man, it was like unbelievable. I never felt, I didn't know that you could experience an intense presence of God like that and actually live to talk about it. And if you've yet to experience that, that just tells me that you've got to press in all the more. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Amen. Because we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to get your eyes off of everybody else and everything else and all the world events and all that and spend time with him. Amen. But you see, in the Bible, again and again, the people of God, the children of God, you know, the Hebrew children, and now in modern-day America, and those of us that are grafted in, according to Galatians 3, what happens is, if we're not careful, we cycle. How many know people cycle? People cycle, right, darling, in addictions. In fact, one of the men that was here this morning, he said, I'm here because I'm in a recovery center now. He said, I was saved in an Assembly of God church, and I spent 25 years there in Connecticut, in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, and he said, man, I was actively involved. I was serving. I, I you know, was uh, part of the worship team and all that and the men's ministry. And he said, through its chain of events, through a series of events, I started to drift and grow cold. I got disappointed. Something happened. I didn't ask him all the details, but how many know God knows all those things? Amen. And so things happen to people, and a fancy theological term in seminary, which I didn't go to seminary because I th actually thought they said go to cemetery, and I wasn't ready for that yet. Amen. Uh, <laughs> is actually what's called a Deuteronomistic cycle, for those of you who like to go a little deeper. And what that means is the children of God, they get on fire, they're up here like a cycle, and then they start drifting. And then they hit some kind of catastrophic plague or end time event or something, so they think. And then they bottom out. And then they start coming back to God again. And then they're on the uptick again. Sound familiar? Yeah. And so where we're, depending on where you're at in that cycle this morning, and I'm sure in an audience this size and those watching online, we're in all four places, like the parable of the sower. Four types of ground. Are you with me? And so verse 35, this is what he said. It will come as a snare to those who dwell on the whole earth. So cold, coldness comes as a process. At a time, listen, when everything is going great in our lives, if we're not careful, if we would never say this, but we act like we don't need God. You ever been there? Okay. Up until February of this year, let's just talk about it in current events now. I think this will help. Everything was rocking and rolling. Can you agree? How many know the economy was the strongest it's been in over 50, five decades? Unemployment down in the three percentile range. The gross, uh, the GDP was strong, like really strong. Businesses were booming. The stock market was up to 30,000 points. <laughs> Real estate, like unbelievable, like Ronald Reagan days. I mean, unbelievable things. There was more jobs than people. How many remember them saying that? There's more jobs out there now than people. And everything was doing well. And we're saying people in business are saying, man, we're, we're, we're doing great. We're doing great. We're doing great. You know, and then all of a sudden enter COVID-19. And on March 15th, listen, friends, in March 15th, we shut down the whole country. 
We shut down our nation. We shut down our, our, our businesses. In 100 days, listen, in 100 days, you tell me if we're living in the end times. In 100 days, we went from freedom to a strong economy to an unbelievable. Listen, I, the first <laughs> folks I spent, I was in Kenya, Africa in February, building a medical clinic with my beautiful bride and a great team over there, people. And then we came back. We were back for a couple weeks, and we went to the blessed land of Israel, the Holy Lands, the land of the Bible, and did an 11-day tour there. And just when we were getting ready to leave, they just started talking about this corona and this, that, and the other. People weren't wearing a mat, nothing like that, okay? And then within a few short weeks of coming back, we saw everything come to a screeching halt. And now 100 days, listen, 100 days later, what's happened? Now they've told us, let me just say this, okay? So you don't think, you don't take this the wrong way and the devil doesn't try to twist this. Here's what I believe about this virus, okay? I do believe it's a real virus. I do believe, and I said this last week, I do believe it's highly contagious. And yes, there are people that died from this. So we're not minimizing that, okay? Because I've been called a minimalist and all kinds of things you can only imagine. But other than those three things, we don't know what the truth is. We don't know what we're being told out there. I mean, let's just be honest. And, you know, you, you can't even, you couldn't even watch the news for the weather and know if you're being manipulated or not today. And it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum, if it's CNN or, you know, constant negative news, I like to call it, or if it's Fox News. You don't know what the truth is. And what's happened, what it's caused people, here's what I'm seeing. You say, are you preaching this because the church is backslidden? No, I'm trying to help you not to go in that direction. I love you enough to tell you the truth. We've got to be honest and real with ourselves and come clean before the Lord sometimes. And that's why Jesus said you must watch and pray always, continually. So watch and be in a spirit of prayer. Amen? So I want to give you a couple signs of what it looks like. Let's put the first one up there. Praise God. You might want to write these down. When you're cold, you're out of the anointing. I didn't know how to... Um, I didn't know how to actually um, put that into words, what I felt like God was saying in my spirit. But here's what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that I understand, and I've got to be careful how I say this. I'm not condemning anyone that can't come to church today, okay? Please, hear, hear the pastor's heart, okay? There are people that shouldn't be in church right now, okay? Is that okay? Um, so we're not, we're not chewing anybody out that's not here. We're actually, the church, if you haven't noticed, has actually been really growing in all kinds of ways. I mean, my gosh, Honesdale, everything. I mean, it's, it's wild. But what happens to people is they grow cold, and the first sign is they stop coming to the house of God. Trust me, I've been in this my entire life. I've seen people go from the worship team to the front row to the back row to the balcony, and next thing you know, they're out the door. And we all, you all have too, right? So you come out, there's something happens when God's people come together. Can you say amen? There's something happened when brethren dwell together, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is, the word says, when brethren dwell together in unity. It's there that God commands the blessing of God. It's the oil that comes into our dry places when hands go up and we worship the Lord. Can you say amen? 
That's what we felt before when we were worshiping Jesus and we're singing those beautiful songs, falling in love with Jesus or whatever it might be. The oil of the anointing, the oil that represents the Holy Spirit comes into, it flows into the dryness, the dry areas, the places that we need it the most. When we come under a corporate anointing, but listen, you can't dwell together if you're not together. And that's why Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together or assembling. In the King James, forsake not yourself the assembling together. As you see the day of the Lord fastly approaching. Can you say amen, somebody? You've got to be able to see it. Not with these eyes, but with spiritual eyes to see that there is something out there. If you've been around me any length of time over these last 100 days, I've said this. Yes, those things are real. There's a real virus. Yes, it's contagious. Yes, there are people who died. But beneath all that, there's something sinister. And you know it, and I know it. There's something is radically wrong with this picture. It doesn't feel right. I don't know how else to say it to you. Brothers and sisters today, you must understand, these are the days that we are living in now. And I will never put a date on the returning of our Lord. But if you just do the biblical uh, prophetic clock, okay? The last sign. Someone asked me last night, are we living in the last days? By the way, I love that concert. It was like the, the anointing was so strong in there. And I was like, Tyler, I can't sit. Somebody says, did I take your seat? I said, I, I don't sit. <laughs> Have at it, you know. I literally climbed all the way up. and I want to see that bell in that belfry with another guy who's dressed. like, oh, can we do this, Pastor? I said, yeah, I'm the pastor. It's okay, you know. <laughs> what are they going to do, get mad? Can take a number. I don't know what to tell you. you know? <laughs> I'm going to enjoy my life. I don't know about you, you know. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Yeah, but people get out from the anointing. They get out from underneath that, and then they wonder why they become so cynical. So it's a sign that people are drawing cold. Put the second point up there if you've got it. When you're growing cold, your views start to change. It's not a political statement, but your views start to change about things. Your views become skewed. And the Bible actually is very clear on that, you know, very clear, abundantly clear. You start to look at things through different lenses. Second Peter 2.20, if you're taking notes, it says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than from the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. In the mire. You know, can we preach that here in these days we're living in now? I remember years ago, there was a youth pastor who preached on that very text, and they basically asked for his resignation the next day. Yeah, I don't know the details. I don't know why. I think, you know, the day that a man of God can't preach what God has put, I would resign too. And I look for a church that's open to what God wants to say. Not being so, so judging and condescending and all that, you know. The Bible says that you can return back to your sin. I know it's old school, but I'm going to preach it anyway. 
You can fall away. You can grow cold in your walk with Jesus. You know, so watch and pray. That's what Jesus said. Watch what you're doing here. Watch what you're looking at. Watch who you're looking at. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. <laughs> I'm going on vacation after this, I think. <laughs> I want to hit the smoky mountains of Tennessee with my wife and kids. Praise God. Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be tangled again with the yoke of bondage. Because I don't believe you can lose your salvation. Well, okay, I don't know what you do with all those verses, but God didn't say it, or I didn't say it, God did. Amen? So, you know, look, we power washed the building this week. How many of you noticed that? Did you see we power washed it out there? Isn't it beautiful? Didn't it come out beautiful? And I mean, it was like thousands to get it done, but it was done professionally. It was done commercially. Uh, it was these, this company that did it, Advanced Power Washing. Um, they, uh, they have a license, a special license to use that kind of chemical. It's an organic chemical, so it's not... Dead. But actually, what you get on the building out here, I didn't know this, the black streaks there, that's actually mold. You know, like mold spores. And when the guy pointed it out to me, it's, it's actually, there's mold everywhere. You don't realize, but it grows, right? So you got to kill it. But if you just power wash it with soap and water, what happens with drive it is you just drive it even further into the cement. And you actually run the risk with a heavy, you know, pressure. You could blow the concrete right off the building out there. So I couldn't figure out why we're washing this every year and it's not happening until these guys came along. And wow, what a difference. I've got before and after pictures on my phone. It's beautiful. I happen to believe God's house ought to be the nicest place in town. How about you? Amen. That's what I love about that pres former Presbyterian church up there in Honsville. Isn't that a beauty? Yeah. And your son said to me last night before that, he said, my gosh, Pastor, he said, that, I said, how'd the sound check go? Because, you know, I, we had two weddings. We, I mean, it was busy. And I just got there in time before the concert started. And we were over at Thrive, the, you know, the new building. And uh, he said, oh, the acoustics are unreal in there. He said, in fact, of all the places I've played throughout the world, he said, there's only one other place. I think he said it was a, a big Catholic cathedral type building in New York City that it remind me of the acoustics when you, and you know, how many know it was just plain and simple, right? It's just acoustic and just worship Jesus. And, you know, this is what we need. Amen. Amen. So I've said that to you about power washing to make this point that the Bible speaks of the washing of the word. And when you're under a corporate anointing like this, when you're, you come together regularly, consistently, not giving up the habit as some have, Hebrews 10.25, what happens is you're, you're being washed with the word of God as it's being preached. That's why you feel so much cleaner when you leave here than you did when you came in a few minutes ago. Is this okay this morning? Did I lose you? Praise God. Such a wonderful ministry here. You guys are just, I really enjoy sharing God's word with you. And it's quite humbling, but uh, if we're not careful, we can grow cold. The third point is that when a person is growing cold, they start flirting with past bondages. They start dabbling. They start flirting with things that they once had the victory over. The very things, the appetites that used to control your life, but you prayed and you fasted and you got the victory over. You got delivered. Maybe somebody laid hands on you at, a, at, a, at an altar at our camp meeting or a crusade or a tent meeting, a revival. You know, Brother Ted's coming in next week. I can't wait to see Brother Ted come here. Can you say praise God? Amen. Praise God. That's it. Go ahead. It's okay. Amen. If you're going to clap, don't patty cake. Clap, right? Praise God. 
He's West Virginia, rough. That's just the way he is. If you don't want the truth, just stay home, okay? <laughs> but you know, you see what I'm saying. How many were in those meetings last, last year and you experienced a miracle in your life? Look at the hands. Hold your hands up. Look at, the, look at the hands around here. We have people coming here from Canada to be part of these meetings. Faith Alive, man. They're on like 300 different television networks. It's a powerful anointing and a, a real man of God, you know. So, but I'm saying to you, that if we're not careful, and how many of you know people that one, thing they, one time they had victory over a certain area of their life? It might have been a drug addiction. might have been like our brother who was sitting here, that, that you know, he, he slipped back in to recovery. My, my wife works in recovery. She understands that. People, if they're not careful, they fall back into that same vomit that they walked away from years ago. Right? And so, you know, I'm just saying to you, the Bible tells us that you know, we've got to be together. We've got to, we've got, look, you can't, you know, thank God for the, the live stream or whatever, the phone and all that. But how many know it's not the same? No, I mean, come on, you're sitting there. I mean, how long can you do that for? You know, I mean, really, besides all that, how many know it's a little more distracting at home when you're trying to watch that? If your house is like a madhouse, like I was like, oh, get the dog, get the dog. The dog goes running through, you know, or a cat or something, you know. You know, How many know dogs are from heaven, cats are from hell? Can you say praise God, amen? <laughs> praise God. Sorry, Linda, sorry. Praise God, praise God. But people start to flirt with past bondages. Maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was drugs. Listen, maybe it was pornography. And you once had victory in your life in that area, and then the precious oil of the Holy Spirit helped to break that bondage off of you, and you could live loving your wife unadulterated, okay? Sir, ma'am. But when people start to grow cold, they start to go back to the very thing that had them entangled years ago. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. There's so much here. Number four, when a person grows cold, I just want to say this to somebody. When they're growing cold, just watch the people they're spending time with. My mom used to say, birds of a feather flock together. Galatians 3 and 1, listen to this. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Notice it wasn't what, it was who. Who messed you up? Who took you out to sea? Oh, foolish Galatians, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. Who, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So again, no, it's not what, but who did it? These people are believers he's talking to. Church at Galatia, the great apostle Paul is writing this letter to. And they're being messed up, you know. I've seen this my whole life, man. I've, I've just seen it. I, I've seen people who are on fire for God. And they can't wait to get to the house of God. Come on, you understand what I mean. They can't wait. And the worship starts and, and the hands go up. You see the hot tear streaming down a person's face. And they might be bringing in a, you know, a Bible like they did back in the day. Or now you got your phone with all the translations. Whatever you use is fine. But you're engaged. You're plugged in. You're hungry for a move of God. I've seen it. I've seen, trust me, just hear the heart of the pastor. I've seen this my whole life. Amen. I've given altar calls here, and I've seen probably, I don't even know, a lot of people over the years walk down these aisles 
And sometimes somebody brings them with them, take them by the hand and they'll walk them. It could be a grandma or a praying parent that brought their teenager or their son or their daughter, or somebody, a family member, a neighbor, a friend, somebody they had been praying for and they'll bring them down here and I'll see a person pray and you know, receive Christ. And it's a beautiful picture. I, I wish you could just see what I could see from the side of this sacred desk called the pulpit. And, and when I kneel down with a Bible under my hand to see people getting freed up in the spirit. And then they can't wait to come to church. And you see them and it's like feed little birds. They're here on Wednesday night. Come on. They're here for revival meetings. They just can't get enough. And, and they're telling everybody about the goodness of God. And oh my gosh, man, I want, you know that, you know that white church up there on the highway? I went to that church and they're like, man, and the people are like, they don't even know God. They go back to their word. They're like, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? Do you have some kind of a temperature or something? Like, what's the matter with you? No, my whole life has changed. Come on. My whole life is made brand new. I went there to a service with my neighbor. They were kept asking me. I didn't even want to go to it. You don't understand. It's different. It's not like the way we came up with religion and all that stuff. But I came into the house of God and something changed in me. I'm not the same person. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't walk like I, I don't dress like I used to. I don't listen to the same music. I'm not associating with the same things. And I'll watch them. And I'll watch them get into a discipleship class. And I'll watch them start to get grounded. And somebody will put their arm around them, a, a grandma, somebody, and mentor these people. It's discipleship. And I'll watch the progression. And then many times, not always, but many times, listen, you know this is true and I know it's true. And it breaks my heart. Somebody will get around them like a wet blanket. And they'll start criticizing things about the church is doing. And what the church and church isn't doing this, though. Church isn't doing that, though. And it starts to rub off on that person. Next news you know, they're not here early anymore. Next news you know, they're coming in late. Music's already started. People are worshiping. And you see the, you see the body language changes. Or you see them, you, you, listen, you, you, I can discern things around. So are you kidding me? I say this in humility to you. I see sometimes the way people flip a Bible as if they know more than anybody knows in the world because they've served Jesus for a couple of years. Are you kidding me? Let, let me help you. I crawl in this place and ask God to please show up. This has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with him. Amen. He gets the glory here. I said he gets the glory here. But it's, it's a, they start to grow cold. And they start to become critical. And then you hear things. And they say, you know this, where's so-and-so at? I don't know. They're not, they haven't been coming. Well, just look at their social media. And they start to grow cold. And Jesus said that many will grow cold in these last days. Start to drift. It's, it's, it's always a slow fade. Let me say this to somebody here today. Criticism is spirit. And it's when you get around people, if you're not careful what they've got, you're going to catch. I would be more afraid of becoming cynical or bitter or cold in my love towards Jesus and his church than I would any virus that's out there. I would be far more concerned. I'm not minimalizing. Please hear my heart. You know, the virus, by the way, has a 95.5% recovery rate. Okay, so thank the Lord, you know. 
Okay, it's getting better. We believe that and we receive it by faith, okay? We continue to pray for our nation, our president, of course, what believers are commanded to do in the first place. But I would be more concerned who you're spending your time with. Are they, listen, are they someone that's building your faith or are they draining your batteries? And are you getting dim? Can you say praise God? Thank you, Lord. So I'm almost done here. I just want to share what God's put on my heart as your pastor, folks, because I see it. The Lord is going to come back here. I'll just say this to you today. I opened my Bible this morning when my son was over here preaching, and I I literally, as as clear as as you're hearing my voice, I heard the Lord say, I'm coming back. Tell them I'm coming back. Coming back for them. It's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. And I don't want to let somebody get in my heart that's got some kind of criticism in them. Oh, the church isn't doing this. Listen, we're not here to please you. And and let me just go ahead and say that. I I want people to be happy. I really do. If I have a party at my house, we throw parties. I mean, I'm I'm a party waiting to happen. Amen? My wife, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever. I mean, you come swim, whatever you want to do. I want you to be happy. Just like when you have people come to your house, right? But that's not my primary concern is your happiness. My primary concern is your spiritual health and whether you're on your way to heaven or not and who you're going to be taking with you, by the way. And you say, praise God. Hallelujah. So people grow cold in their faith. And, you know, it's watch the time who they're spending with. Let me say this to you. I don't have this even in my notes, but watch the words that come out of their mouth. (laughs) That's a dead giveaway. You know, my son, my oldest son, he gets out here, and he's, he's a wild man. You know, we went riding Harleys the other day, and, and Derek was in early. So Derek said, where's the wild man at? We're all here to force four of us here. Ron, my son, Kyle, Derek. Derek got a beautiful road king. I mean, no, I'm so jealous right now. I mean, praise God. I'm the biggest guy. I'm on the smallest bike. What is wrong with this picture? Road King Street Glide. I'm driving an 883 Sportster. It's time for an upgrade. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I think the Lord's speaking to my wife as I'm preaching this message. <laughs> hey. <laughs> she's tough. She's like, she's like a woman that came out of the Pentecostal movement from like 1906 and just got transported here today. You know, collar, you know, all that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But my son, you know, Derek said, where's the wild man at? <laughs> you know, we all laughed here, right? You know why I let him, let him share like that? Because I know he's in love with Jesus. And I would rather somebody overdo whatever than somebody get up here, it's all bitter and cynical and critical. And I refuse to allow the cares of this world and people to get in my heart and cause me to start drifting away from Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to finish like my mom and dad sitting on the front row at 90 years old, 70 years of ministry. Can you say praise God? Somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But it's a dead giveaway. The words come out of their mouth. Let me just say this. I don't even have this in my notes. I don't think. Uh, Another thing that came to me is that people start to follow Jesus from a distance. Yeah, from afar off. 
You watch Peter. Peter was in the inner circle. He was one of the three, Peter, James, and John. Nobody's closer to Jesus than Peter, right? The rock. Think about it. What happened when, Pete, when Jesus got arrested? He was, he was out in the courtyard, Lynn, where we were in the Holy Lands. Remember they showed us? And he's out there by the fire. And he's listening from a distance about what's happening. He, look, he experienced the miracles. How about Judas? You want to tell me somebody can't walk away from God? Amen. Judas. I mean, he, listen, Judas was in the revival meetings. He saw the raising of the dead. He was in the boat, the walking on the water. Calm in the storm, peace be still. The multiplication of miracles, the fishes and loaves. Judas, three and a half years like the other disciples spent with Jesus in the flesh. And you watch how he got cynical and bitter. And it's a spirit. It gets in you. Amen. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You hear my heart today as your pastor. I love you. I'm trying to help you here. Amen. Just watch that you don't fall into that temptation, the lure of temptation. And Judas, you remember when the woman, John 12, took the alabaster box and it was a year's worth of costly wages and she came and just poured it over him. And the aroma filled the room and it was just five days before Jesus was arrested and before he was crucified. And that ointment, when he hung on the cross, a great writer said of yesteryear that when he was on that cross, he could smell that spikenard, that beautiful Years' wages that that woman poured out on his, his hair and his beard just a few days before that. You know what Judas did? He's in the same room. And that was her act of extravagant worship. You know what Judas said? Judas said, this money should have been given to the poor. This project, putting up, going up in Honesdale, that should be given out to missions or whatever it is. Be careful. Watch. And pray. So easy to fall into that category, isn't it? So easy to to let the flesh fall into a place. Folks, (laughs) every day of my life, practically, if I'm not, if I'm not care, I I have opportunities to be offended (laughs) and cynical and bitter every day with things that come back to me. I have people tell me stuff, it would curl your hair. I have people tell me, Pastor, so-and-so invite me to come to his church to, to, to speak. And I'm like, aren't you a member in this church? Oh, that's old school. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm telling you the truth. So listen, just watch and pray. Wow, what a powerful message. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home, and we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God, and you can let us know how these broadcasts have helped you. We will see you next time, and one more thing. We love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.